board or vote by mail. Ballots can be returned by mail or at the official ballot drop box in the lobby of the Wayne County Courthouse or directly to the elections office, but not at polling locations. Make sure your vote counts. Place your mail-in or absentee ballot first in the official secrecy envelope provided, the one that does not have your name on it. Then place that in the return envelope with your barcoded return address label and complete the back, including signature and date signed. The last day to register to vote is October 19th. Your entire elections team is working tirelessly to ensure a safe and fair election, so please vote. Paid for by the Wayne County Board of Elections. Namaste, and welcome to Bodhi Talk, where the intention is to inform, inspire, and empower each of us to wake up to who we really are. Not human beings having a spiritual experience, but spiritual beings having a human experience. My name is Doug Bill, and today on Bodhi Talk, we will continue our 2020 vision theme, focusing upon the classroom perspective. Um, which is an antidote for the battleground perspective, which we examined last week. Now, just a brief review of what we're talking about here. Um, this is really coming from the model that is developed out of A Course in Miracles, and to understand that there's two, two thoughts, uh, two emotions, really, love and fear, and they actually do represent a whole thought system. One grounded in love and spirit and truth, that's the... The emotion, the thought system that we have been given, and then having an ego, we have created this whole other thought system which is grounded in fear and guided by the ego, the fear-based uh, teacher, you could call it that. And so I went into some detail last time about the, uh, uh, the Freudian nature of the ego thought system where there's the ego itself, which is... Uh, the term Freud used to uh, define the self, uh, which is Latin for self. And, and of course, that, that includes all of our thoughts or attitudes or beliefs, behaviors, and even extends into our physical body and our possessions, roles, relationships, all of which making up that ego, uh, all of that is vulnerable, so needs protection. And I went into how Freud looked at uh, how there's all these defense mechanisms that we naturally develop in order to keep ourselves safe, in so many words. Um, and, of course, that leads to uh, a cycle of violence because when I perceive myself attacked, I counterattack, justifying that behavior, well, you've attacked me, so I have every right to attack you. Now... As I say, the uh, the thought system of the Holy Spirit, which uh, rather than the classroom paradigm, is coming from a paradigm we call the classroom, or the instead of the battleground, it's the classroom. Sorry. Um, so in the classroom, we're guided by love, and we're recognizing, as I always say, we're not human beings but spiritual beings. And as spirit, we're invulnerable. So we can sort of transcend all of the insanity of the ego 
and recognize that there's really nothing to fear, but, uh, well, as Roosevelt said, but fear itself. Uh, but to look at then the, uh, the whole cycle of violence that we get into, um, we can step out of that, step out of the battleground into the classroom, guided by love, with the understanding that that which we are cannot be threatened. So again, we transcend that very scary place of the fragile ego and move into the invulnerable strength and power of the, the spirit, our true nature. And so though we, we do need to recognize that we're not there. Uh, if we look in the mirror every morning and say, well, that's, uh, how, how did I look like that? Uh, if we identify with what we see, then we still have work to do. Uh, so who doesn't? Um, and the classroom offers us very practical guidelines as to how we can engage on the daily, daily moment-to-moment basis of this classroom scenario. And you know, the goal, whether we're in the classroom or the battleground, we all want to be happy. We all want to have some sense of, uh, well, comfort and contentment about our life. And, of course, if we're caught up in that battleground, um, that cycle of violence never leaves any, leaves, leads to anything positive. Uh, so in the classroom, is, this is where we have the, the real opportunity to engage in a process that's taking us day by day, a little more deeply, into a more peaceful, contented, happy state, less stress. Um, so what is the classroom? I mean, if we look at like an ideal classroom with a teacher who's really wanting the best for her students, is coming from love, and presents information, and the students... Uh, some may get it, some give the wrong answer. Well, the teacher doesn't go to those who have given the wrong answer and slap them upside the head and call them an idiot and send them to the back of the class. No, the, the loving teacher is going to uh, break it down as to, okay, well, this is what we've been talking about, this lesson. Let's keep it real simple. Two plus two is five, so let's count these four fingers. One, two... Three, four. Two plus two is four. You said five. So in reality, this is the way that we need to go in understanding this particular lesson. So when we make a mistake, we're lovingly guided to recognize there's another way to approach that problem. And what what it's all grounded in is love. And that's what we have to stay in our mind, and this is where the mindfulness that we practice is designed to help cultivate this capacity to come from a loving place consistently. So the idea here is that the the lesson presented is about love. So when we look at human behavior, we recognize there's really only two ways that we can function, either expressing love, which is usually about being kind and considerate and sensitive to our needs. And when that happens, we, we receive that uh, happily and uh, we respond in a loving way to that. Now, though, if we've got somebody who's 
not happy with what it is that is going on between us. They want to be understood and we're, we don't really understand them or they, they perceive that. Or they perceive that uh, we're, we're not really loving them, we're not helping them in the way they want. And so they take that personally and out of their resentment, they do something offensive. But the bottom line is what they want is our understanding, our help, our love. So they're calling for love in a perhaps very wrong-minded manner. They're saying two plus two is five. So what we need to do then is to, the loving teacher again, respond with love and do all that we can to redirect them to the right answer, to the other way. Again, not taking it personally as an attack because that would be a wrong step. So we're basically reframing the picture. And again, this is a, a process which uh, we can cultivate in our relationships. And it, it may sound simple enough, but as you can imagine, when it comes to those very real life circumstances, it, it, it gets complicated and it, it becomes uh, rather challenging. And so, again, it, it's about practicing this and realizing in the back of our mind that when we have an encounter that is really intense and we perceive other as having offended us in such a, a deep way that we move into what, what I call the knee-jerk reactivity, we're not really pausing and reflecting upon what has just happened. We just feel that uh, maybe righteous indignation, how dare you do this? And uh, then we jump in and we, we find some way to try to balance it out, tit for tat kind of thing, attack, counterattack. And, and this is especially true when there's an emotional weight. Uh, this is where uh, the most challenging uh, relationships are those that are the deepest, uh, like uh, with our parents, with our siblings, with our partners, with our children, with our close friends. That's where there's, I know like with Riza, with my wife, um, when there's something going on between us that's, uh, uh, she has one way of looking at it and I have another way of looking at it and I'm, I, I, I look back on such situations and realize that what I was thinking was that she should know well what my perspective is and not oppose me. She should sort of read my mind. Um, after being together 43 years now, um, I, I mean, often <laughs> that does happen where we're actually t so tuned into each other that uh, we almost finish each other's sentences or uh, say things that the other's about to say. Um, and, but then there's those times when there's something, uh, very sensitive. Like if I've got a, an issue that I'm concerned about and I want her, uh, approval and her agreement and she does the opposite, then I, I take, this is what I'm saying. The, the more depth in the relationship, the more uh, likely it's going to lead to that pushing buttons. And that's something that, it doesn't happen so often, uh, but I find that when I do get upset about what has happened, it, it's not 
some total tra- stranger. Like if it's uh, what could be a road rage situation uh, where there's somebody driving erratically and um, my perception may be that I'm being put in danger because of the way this other person is driving, I could uh, react as some people do with the road rage and I I may give him the finger or may uh, slam on the brakes or uh, tailgate or whatever kind of counterattack may come to me in that knee-jerk moment. Uh, that's one thing that, uh, I honestly, I'd, I'd say that there are times when I've sort of uh, thought that, but when I'm in my right mind, I simply move as far away from that person as I can safely. And I don't take it personally. I just consider the fact that this guy must have a a real problem. Maybe he's got an emergency and he needs to get somewhere fast. But uh, I don't stay in his space. Uh, but when it comes to those emotional situations, emotional relationships, it it's a bit more challenging to reframe the picture of that, step out of the battleground and into the classroom. And And so I say this is really a lot of work. Uh, it takes uh, a depth of mindfulness to uh, recognize that there's another way than moving into that reactive counterattack to the attack, the perception of the attack. And to remember, okay, this is just a call for love. And uh, so uh, this is... Uh, it may sound like this is a kind of, uh, you know, putting on rose-colored glasses and being very naive to the um, the ways of people. Uh, and, I mean, this hope opens up a whole uh, perspective that has become such a deep part of our culture where there are evil people doing things that are sinful and deserve to be locked up or killed or uh, sent to hell uh, one way or the other. And that's something that just doesn't fit with this whole paradigm, the namaste principle paradigm. Uh, and in the classroom, there are no enemies. There are no sinful people that deserve to be destroyed and uh, sent away forever to a godforsaken place. Um so, uh, again, it's not naive. It's not rose-colored glasses. It's, it's really, again, back to a good teacher when a mistake is made. And that's a, a better way to look at the whole concept of sin, which in the original translation, I think I've said this a few times before, uh, one of the definitions of the original Greek or even Hebrew of the word for sin is to miss the mark, as in archery, where there's you're shooting the arrow at the bullseye and it goes off one way or the other away from the bullseye. That's missing the mark. So what we need to do is perfect our aim. So again, we answer the question wrong. We call for love in an inappropriate way. And from a loving perspective, we acknowledge the wrongness of what's happened. We don't ignore that. We don't deny that there's something wrong. But we remember that there is this beingness that is confused and uh, 
thinking in, in a wrong manner, and we need to somehow help them in a very loving, understanding manner find a better resolution to the problem they foresee. And it, it might actually involve my having to understand where they're coming from and be able to uh, respond to them in a way that they will feel that we're more, I'm more aligned with them. Okay, so we're going to take a little break. It's going to be Raphael playing in the background, so we'll be back in a few moments. Welcome back to Bodhi Talk on WJFF. We're talking about uh, the classroom perspective and how we can uh, apply what I've, I've been talking about as the namaste principle to the circumstances of our day-to-day -day life and to be able to understand there's another way to deal with the um, offensive behavior of another person, to reframe that as not being an attack but a call for love and to somehow approach that with a, a listening ear. We're going to be talking next time about uh, deep listening and ways to cultivate that. But uh, again, mindfulness is the essential, uh, well, that's the foundation that we draw from and that's, that's uh, how we can cultivate these skills to be mindful in the moment of what it is that's happening as a classroom and recognize that we do have this presence, this teacher guiding us. And sometimes uh, it's not going to be coming uh, from within our own mind, uh, although there, there is really only one mind, but we need to dig deep to find that, that purity of mind that allows us to see with clarity and love that what it is that is happening, offensive though it may be, is really a call for love. And our, our function, whether somebody is expressing love or calling for love, our function is consistently responding with love to whatever it is that's happening. 
And and so uh, a part of that, and, and again, back to what it is to be a good teacher, if there's a, a student in the classroom behaving badly and disrupting the classroom, then there needs to be a consequence to that student's behavior. Not a punishment, but a consequence, a natural, logical consequence. And this applies as well to parenting. Uh, when I worked in the children's department of the Scranton Counseling Center years ago, um, I was always, um, well, I made a treatment plan for each of, uh, I really worked with families, uh, mostly, well, the children would be the ones assigned to me, but I'd often meet with the parents as well. And when it came to addressing the parenting factor, there was one um, intervention that was constant. Um, when a child is uh, behaving contrarily to what they're supposed to, um, the parent remembers how much they love this child, comes from that love, and redirects them, imposing natural, logical consequences to behavior in a loving way. And that might be removing a privilege. Uh, really young children respond well to the one, two, three magic uh, method where you uh, just make it clear that if you get to the number three as you're counting, uh, the child knows that they're going to go into a timeout where there is no attention. And that's really the most... Um, extreme uh, consequence for, uh, well, for a, not just young children, but for all of us. If, if the person that we love and want to receive attention from is just uh, taking their attention away totally, that's a very effective way to <laughs> redirect their attention. And like if a kid is three years old, you do it for three minutes, five years, five minutes, one minute per age of, a year of age. Um, so the, uh, the consequence to behavior, uh, that's where we, we need to really consider uh, very deeply what that is. That, that involves uh, some creativity at times as a parent, as a teacher, as a, as a person dealing with uh, misconduct in our relationships, whatever they may be. Uh, but to, to keep that concept in mind that we're always um, not trying to get even, not trying to hurt them, to punish them, but to help them learn by having a natural, logical consequence to behavior. And of course, all of this is really grounded in the whole self-care regimen that's so crucial. And uh, we need to take care of ourselves on all levels, mind, body, heart, soul. And when that balance, that strength is in place, we're more likely than to have the energy to be lovingly attentive to those around us. And essentially, uh, what it is that we're really uh, opening ourselves to in this classroom is that as we attend to this process of not taking personally what's happening but recognizing the call for love and responding lovingly. We're, we're basically attending to all of our responsibilities as best we can. And 
understanding that in, in some circumstances uh, it may be something very challenging to maintain that kind of equanimity uh, when uh, the bigger, more challenging circumstances arise. So this is where there is a presence that is guiding us. Like we have a, you could say, a teacher, a loving presence, Holy Spirit, however you perceive it. Uh, it's, a, it's a deep spiritual quality. Um, if we look at, well, just as a general metaphor, uh, we're all connected as one mind, like an ocean. We're each drops in that ocean, and as a drop, we're, we're limited in our power. But as we recognize the ocean that is really our true fullness of being, then that's where, as long as we've been focusing on our own responsibilities in any given moment, and then once that has reached its full capacity, then we just sort of surrender and let go and uh, allow this presence to guide us the rest of the way. That's a, a general rule of thumb which can be applied to any and all circumstances. Even, uh, I, I don't have time to get into the whole political situation we're in right now, but, um, and I think we're all sort of focused on what's going on politically, and some may assume that, well, this is a situation where we do need to resist, we do need to uh, fight back. Uh, but I'm saying that what we, what we resist persists. As long as we're waging war, we're going to go somewhere that is not good for anybody involved. So this is something that, uh, again, through mindfulness, we may gently, over time, notice a change in our perspective and develop a, a much deeper way of opening to ourselves. So now we're going to practice the mindfulness, uh, Namaste Booster, as I call it. Again, it's R Raphael uh, Deuter, Deuter playing in the background. So just become present. Watch your breathing. Allow yourself to experience this moment, right here, right now. And allow a kind of letting go to occur, letting go of tension, tightness, not only physically, but also letting go of any concerns about the past or the future. And then allow yourself to move into the witness perspective, watching observing, but not evaluating as good, bad, right, wrong, supposed to be, not supposed to be. Just sort of rising above, I mean, like again, watching the movie. And as you cultivate that capacity, whatever thought arises, whatever feeling arises, there may be some discomfort associated with it, but just observe it, sort of embrace it, move into it, and just sort of let go. Whatever arises in your mind, it may be an experience that you had, perhaps one of these 
calls for love occurring in your life and that you're remembering that and you're you're considering how what happened was maybe you were responding with love maybe it was that knee-jerk reactivity and just observe that and be kind to yourself don't condemn yourself for having done the knee-jerk reaction but just observe it and say well that's interesting yeah it didn't go well perhaps next time I'll be able to respond with love rather than reacting out of that fear-based perspective whatever arises in your mind just observe it not blaming judging any of that and then as you return to alertness perhaps you may resolve to practice this technique we only spent a few minutes but this is something that you could do for several minutes 15 20 minutes at the beginning of the day the end of your day and even as you're moving through the activities of your day to just move into what we call meditation in action so I'd like to thank Jay Merrill for the Bodhi Talk theme music and Thane Peterson for helping me learn how to do this recording of this program. And I would especially like to thank each and every one of you for tuning in and listening and for supporting public radio. Remember, be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Namaste. This week's On the Media, NBC hosted a Trump town hall and aired it at the same time as ABC's Biden event. Was it a ratings grab? I don't think from a ratings perspective or a cha-ching dollar perspective, it makes all that much sense. It's a political decision. Network machinations and more on this week's On the Media.